0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe Podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Circe campus, you can text the word Circe to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Thank God for the ability for us to gather together this morning. It is welcome back weekend for campuses uh, everywhere across the state today, most of them anyway. And so uh, we've had a few families this morning that are with us that are moving their their kids in uh, to Harding. And um, I know our our neighbor, their kid goes to A-State, so they're moving in. Uh, I saw him out there trying to squeeze stuff into a a very small car this morning, and uh, he looked frustrated, so I'm going to pray over him later today um but uh i know parents are getting ready to uh, offload their kids they they looked happy um so i hope that that's that's a, a good thing i i'm i'm going to preach this morning um from first samuel i want you to go there if you have your bible or bible app while you're turning there i want to share from my heart for just a moment about something unrelated to this this message this morning um this week I have been in in much prayer and I would even call it just a week of wrestling um, I don't know if you've ever had had those weeks but like you just wrestle with with the Lord you don't really feel good about something or you got something in your spirit and you're trying to flesh it out and that that's been the week for me it's been it's been a challenging and wanting to hear from the Lord and and wanting to feel peace in some certain areas and so um, I just wanted to take two or three minutes this morning to just uh, tell you where I'm at. And that is, um, I know that the global church, and uh, I made myself notes so I wouldn't just go on a tangent here, but the global church the past two years saw some great divide. Um, it was a, a defining moments for um, the church, capital C, across the world, If you recall, because it's been a while now, but first it was like we were dealing with an emotionally charged social and racial issues. It was terrible. Um, uh, Lots of things were happening. The political divide was getting wider, and we were all facing that. We were preaching about it. We were trying to gather people together under that, and it was hard. And then a lingering pandemic uh, happened and stepped in. And it affected the church even more. Um, As a result of that, um, the outcome now is that 20% of evangelical churches in America have closed permanently. So one out of five churches that you could attend two years ago is no longer there. Um, So that means those sheep, per se, have been scattered. Um, Those leaders, who knows what happened to them but in some areas, uh, up to 40% of pastors in some areas geographically quit the ministry due to mental exhaustion. They just said, I can't do it anymore. And the pandemic, especially or specifically, rather affected our church. I think we all kind of felt it, we weren't prepared for it. Um, we saw big changes. We went two full months without out of service, tried to gather everybody online. Um, it was frustrating, especially coming from somebody like me who was trained to just be in a building with people. And so moving everything online was a challenge. Many of our families who were young, like, like unchurched believers who had just started coming to our, our body of faith, uh, that was a great opportunity to to, re, to to disconnect again. And then there were people who were trying to find an excuse to not come anymore, and then there were those trying to find a reason to be offended, and everybody got the answer with a pandemic. So if you were looking to leave, looking to get offended, or you were brand new to church, it affected you. And so there became a global standard in evangelical churches of about a 45% attendance dip, and that in in a Attendance serve groups, so the people who help you pull a service off, 45% of them was gone, and 45% of resources were also gone. And that affected our our, our church. So we saw a dip in attendance, serve groups, resources. And so we were trying to, to re identify who we were because we planted this campus in 2014. 2019 was our strongest year. Uh, 2020, 2021, and since the beginnings of 2022 um, were very, very challenging. So basically, I've said all that to, to say this, that something happened this summer, though, that was beautiful, and it was a reconnect. And it's odd because most pastors, including myself, you don't get your hopes up for summer. You know, especially if you've got young families, which we do. They're going on vacation. You've got travel ball. You've got complete schedule changes for folks. And so you go, summer is what summer is. But we had a stronger attendance in the summer than we have in a while and so we had this beautiful reconnect. We were able to go to one service, and that caused uh, people to laugh louder, to sit closer, to worship more intimately, to hang out longer, uh, to come to events like night of, of, of worship last week. Um, sorry about that, by the way. It, it was such a great idea in March when we planned that. And um, and so those of you who came out and, and, and sweltered away with us, there were almost 150 of you downtown in 100-degree weather for night of worship. So it was great just to, again, be two, two together. So we've had this beautiful thing happen this summer. And so even though, and follow me on, on this, and then I'm, I'm going to preach, but even though we announced two services last week, I'm going to recant that. Okay, and I'm doing that because I want to stay with one service just a little bit longer because I want more of what we've been experiencing. It's it's a spiritual thing for me. I told our staff. I've tried to ask myself: Is this about? um, Is this a pride issue? Is it because um, I want the volunteers to get more space? Is it because I went down this checklist? But the truth of of the matter is. It has felt spiritual to me to see our church come back to feeling like us. Now, I know what, what, what you're thinking. Fall crowd is going to be here. Students are going to return. we got to have room to invite people, and all that's going to happen. This is a very temporary basis. But we're going to put out every chair we have in this room for next week, and we're going to continue with a 10 a.m. service. So until then, scoot over, trip over a cup of coffee, Uh, Think to yourself whose cologne is so strong um, and just continue being together in the house of God. Can we do that? If, if, If that's okay, will you clap your hands with me? Yeah, we just want to do that. So, if you'll follow me on that, I would appreciate it. I know some of you like sleeping in. You're gonna call me this afternoon and say you really messed this up because we don't like getting out of bed uh, till ten forty five to come to the eleven. And so um, you're gonna be upset about. It. but follow me on on this, and I promise you this, when this room will not take you on anymore, we will go to two services, okay, but we're we're gonna put out six hundred plus chairs. Uh, that's what this room will seat. Uh, We've got out about 400 right now, and so we're going to put out 200 more, and we're going to make room, and when that room ends, we'll go to two services. But right now, I want more of us being together, and that's just a a pastor thing. It's a spiritual thing for me. I've wrestled with the the Lord, and he always wins, and so that's what I want to do. And if it doesn't last, if next week there's 600 and something people here, I will come back and repent and tell you that I missed God, and we'll go to two services. All right. First Samuel chapter 9. I am going um to read this out to you today because it, this is a long long story. It's over two chapters long. I can't take the time to do that. You can read that this afternoon, but I want to um get into this and I'm going to skip around and tell you where I'm 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 headed with it this this morning. So um, let's go First Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing whose name was Kish. Verse 2. He had a son named Saul. That's the Saul that you're thinking about. He's an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Verse 3. Now the donkeys... Belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. Verse 4, so he passed through the hill country of Ephraim, through the area of Shalisha, but they did not find them. They went on to the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. He passed through Benjamin They did not find them. He reached the district of Zuth. Saul said to the servant who was with him, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Verse 6, the servant replied, look in this town. There is a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. So he's obviously got a prophetic gift. Let's go there now. Perhaps he can tell us the way to take. And Saul said to his servant, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him, I have a quarter of shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us the way to go. Verse 10, good, Saul said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. Skip down to verse 15. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord revealed this to Samuel. And about this time tomorrow, he said, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hands of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, and their cry has reached me. And Samuel caught sight of Saul, and the Lord said to him, That's the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Verse 20. They're having a conversation, and Samuel says to Saul, As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. Verse 21, he says, Hey, I'm not a Benjamite. I'm from the smallest tribe of Israel. It's not my clan the least of all the clans. Sounds a lot like another story with Gideon. He says, Why do you say such a thing to me? Now go to chapter 10, verse 1, and Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? Now go to verse 9 of chapter 10, this will be the last verse. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart and all these signs were fulfilled on that day. I simply want to call this Daddy's Donkeys. And I want to talk about this incredible story. We normally pick up here, Um, we don't like Saul. We know he tried to kill David multiple, multiple times. We tend to be a fan of David, not a fan of Saul. We know Saul ended up getting removed. Uh, David was a man after God's heart, he had favor. And Saul made so many mistakes as king that God said, that's it. That's all that I can do, and I'm going to replace you. And when that happens, it'll be David. It won't even be from your own family. But we leave out this beautiful and incredible story of young Saul, pre-power Saul. So I want to point out just a few things and build this really quick And to use that as a talking point, I'm going to say say this. The potential of a seed is unknown to us. The potential of a seed is unknown to us. To look at something you can hold in your hand and know that it's going to become something. It's going to develop roots. It's going to gain height. It's going to produce strength like, like, like an oak. Or it's going to produce fruit. It's going to do something. We can look at it, and because of what we've seen happen in seeds before, we speculate, we know, we assume, we science it, and we know there's something going to happen with that seed. And so when we look at the life of Saul, this is exactly what, what was happening here. Saul was being looked at not only by God but by Samuel and saying, hey, listen, the Lord has seen something in you. We don't know what all is is going to be unpacked there, but there's something in you that God wants to do something with. In verse 1, it says that his father Kish was a mighty man of power. So he's got a legacy. His dad is somebody. He's someone who may have a power, may have authority, may have wealth, may have all of it. But he comes from that genealogy, this, this lineage and Legacy has been given to Saul. Verse 2 says he's a choice and handsome son. So he's got legacy and looks. Now, verse 2 also says, and I'm reading the King James Version here, but it says, from his shoulders up, he was taller than all the other people. So maybe he's got a long neck. We don't know. Maybe he was an odd-looking fellow uh, from the shoulders up. But if you take a new version, it says he was a head taller. Okay, I, I, I prefer the long neck approach, but we, we know this, he's got legacy, he's got looks, and God has seen him, and he's got a plan for him, but when we think about potential, we have no idea the potential in our children, but we have hope for them. We look on them, we, we pray over them, we believe God to do something, we try to raise them upright, we try to keep them uh, you know between the guardrails, we do all kinds of things in the hopes that one day whatever is in that seed is going to break out and we as their parents or grandparents are going to be able to see with our physical eyes what God had planned over our children. We have no idea what potential the person besides you this morning has. I would dare say that you're married to someone that still has untapped potential. You may have been with them 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but there's something still in them that God is trying to fulfill. We have no idea the potential of a church. When you take all of the seed in this room and put it together collectively as one body, as as a spiritual union, we have to ask ourselves, what does God want for us? It's why we pray over other churches because not all of us have the same vision. It takes all of us to win a city. So God has a plan for that church and this church and the church over here and the, and the church on race and the, and the church down BB Caps. God's got plans for all of them and he's using all of them collectively to get it done. Same thing here, that you're here for a reason. You're here to connect. You're here to serve. You're here to give. You're here to express your spiritual gifts to a body in order to exhort them and edify them so that we can together do something for the kingdom. It's a seed inside of you. But what this story teaches us is this, that lowliness is a new promotion. Now this goes against really what society is teaching us to exalt yourself, to build yourself up, to have something, so many many followers, and that, that has value, or to have so much money, and that has value or identity for you, to live in a certain place, drive a certain thing, do a certain thing that has value, and then your life is not wasted at all, that you're not part of the lowly group, you're part of the exalted group. And so there's this cultural Tension, temptation to constantly climb a ladder, and if you have to, step on the person under you to get higher. Lowliness is something that is a spiritual concept that I believe God wants to remind us of this morning. Saul, again, full of potential. God has seen him. His daddy is somebody, he's good looking. All he's got to do is sit back and ride the wave of what's been established for him, and he'll do something great. But you know what he's doing? Looking for donkeys. Here's here's a guy who's mentioned to be one of the up-and-coming people of of Israel, and his father said, I need you to do something for me. We got some donkeys missing. Dad, I don't know if you've heard, but... uh, God's got something for me. I mean, you don't have a servant around here you can't send. I mean, I, it's donkeys. I mean, you're 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 Kish. You're you're the leader around here. People know you. They know me. Man, looking for donkeys? Seriously? But we don't see that attitude in Saul yet. He's a yes, sir. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a servant, I'm gonna find somebody to go, go with me, and we're gonna find them. I'm going to look for donkeys. I don't know if you've ever wondered if you are in the right place. And I'm going to get personal for just a second with, with, with you there. Some people who look at our city and go, I can't believe the Lord put me in Circe. I can't believe I'm in a small rural Arkansas community um, under a religious cloud. Um, man, I could thrive if I lived in Rogers. Or I could thrive if I lived in West Little Rock. Or if the Lord would let, let me move out of the state and somewhere else. I, I don't think like Cersei thinks. I don't, I don't fit in the way uh, Cersei wants people to, to fit in. And you almost resent where the Lord has put you. You know what that is? That's looking for donkeys. That's you saying, I may not be here forever, but while I'm here, I'm going to do the best I can with where God has put me. And I'm going to bloom where I've been planted. I'm not going to come to church and sit like a sourpuss and wonder why God won't set me free from it. I'm going to bloom where the Lord planted me. Whatever career I've got right now, I'm going to put my hands to the plow and I'm going to do well. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to leave late. I'm going to put everything I have in, into this. You want to know why? Because that's looking for donkeys. I don't know if you've ever felt like the people you're with are not really your people. That's looking for donkeys. God, these are not the best friends you've ever given me. My life group's got to be the weirdest collection of folks ever. You're looking for donkeys. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were in a job that was beneath you. Here I am, you've got a master's degree and this or that, and everybody around you doesn't. And You're wondering, why did I put in another 60 graduate hours? Why did I pursue the the PhD? Why did I leave a six-figure salary to do this? I thought it was an opportunity, but now it doesn't seem so. You're looking for donkeys. It's lowliness, it's humility. It's saying, God, I will serve and do the things you've asked me to do, even though I am above it. My life experience shows that I can do better than this. I can lead. I got out a team of 50, now I've got a team of five. I feel like I've been demoted. You're looking for donkeys. You're loaded with potential, a seed in you. God has seen you, has a plan for you. But yet you feel like you're doing something that you go, man, this is not clicking with what I feel in my spirit. I don't know if you've ever ended up looking at yourself in the mirror and said to yourself, what are you doing? You're looking for donkeys. So these things are the donkeys in your life that the Father has asked you to do and to do it well, even though he has it all together, even though our Father is wealthy, even though our Father is respectful, even though our Father is going to give us an inheritance, even though our Father has spoken over us something that is fantastic, he has given us a task that may not be what you want it to be. But he wants your best out of it. Because watch where this story is going. When David was filled with potential, you know what he was doing? Keeping sheep. And here's what a lot of us forget. This This same Samuel who anointed David to be king. We often forget the time lapse here. But as The priest shows up to Jesse's house and says, is this all the boys? We forgot David. Somebody go get David. Let's see how he feels about that. He comes up and says, this is the guy. He anoints him with oil. He's going to be the next king. I bet they couldn't believe it. And you know what happened after that? David packed up and moved into Judah and kicked Saul out. That's not what happened. You know what David did? Back to the sheep field. Man, Lord, that was an exciting day. So when's the king thing happening? When, when, when is that part? Well, you, you need to keep serving sheep here. When Jesus called to Peter, Peter was filled with potential, but he was mending a net. Moses, full of potential, keeping sheep for his father-in-law, on the run for murder. Elisha, filled with potential, plowing a field, minding his own. And in that group, those four guys, David, Peter, Moses, and Elisha, in that group of blue-collar workers, there was a giant killer, a water walker, two men who parted water, and two that raised people from death. There is an exaltation in lowliness. And if we can apply this spiritually, we're going to win at some major things in life to know when it's time to get low. When it's time to say, I could do better, but this is what the Lord has asked. I'm more educated. I got more life experience. I'm past 50. And you know what happens when you pass 50? You don't care anymore. Okay? You're like, people will tell you something. You're like, I don't even care about what you just said. Why? Because I'm 50. But God may ask you to look for donkeys. There's exaltation in lowliness. And the world will tell you, be exalted, be exalted. Seize the opportunity. Make a name for yourself. Find out how you can get more and be more and do more. And the whole time the Father, if we're not careful, he's asking you to look for a donkey in your life. Because there is a huge moment behind it. And if you will just obey that. If you will follow that part of your heart, then God is going to do something great in that, okay? Let me give you three quick verses to remind you of this principle. 2 Chronicles 7.14, he says, If my people, which are called by my name, will what? Come on, church. Humble themselves. He's saying, if you will get low, I will hear you. But while you're walking around trying to be a who's who, my ears are closed to you. This is not the language of God. To show him your resume. Here, God, here's my Vita. Now, you plan my life accordingly. No. He says, I want you to humble yourself. Isaiah 40 and 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Now, It is true. This word primarily communicates is patience, wait, pausing. But there's one little definition that sneaks into the back of this as a possibility, and it comes from thinking about a waiter. Think about somebody with a little cloth across their arm. They that wait upon the Lord. Serve him. What can I do for you? I'm not going to ask you for any. I, w- I want to know, Lord, what can I do for you? What task can I finish? Whose life can I inspire? What can I do for your church this year? I'm going to wait upon you. And then there's Romans 14, 18. For he who serves Christ In these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. That word serve is exactly what you think it means. I'm going to lay aside my own plan and I'm going to serve someone else's plan. I'm going to put aside my own thoughts and I'm going to prioritize the thoughts of God. I want to serve Christ in these things. So again we got to recap quickly. we got this beautiful story. A guy who's loaded with potential, looking for donkeys through city after city after city after city, and it gets to the point where he says, listen, man, we got to go home because um, my dad's going to start worrying about us and forget about these donkeys. We need to go home. And he says, listen, let's take one more shot at this. In the city ahead is a man of God. Let's go ask him. He's a prophet, and let's see if he can't tell us where these donkeys are. So, my third point is this. When you are confused, do what comes naturally to you. Ask God. Just ask. You say, well, Kevin, this this, this sounds so crazy. I know. But don't be afraid to ask God about the crazy things, okay? Please don't forget about this. This is very important. And I hope this speaks to someone's life here, okay? Listen. If God cares about an axe head that floats, a guy comes up, he says, listen, man, I dropped this axe head. We were all working, but listen, it's borrowed. It's not even mine. If it was mine, I'd say it's it's a loss, but it's not mine. It belongs to someone else, and I don't know what to do. And a miracle happens, and that axe head floats. If God cares about a girl's wedding that she's thought about her whole life and they run out of wine. And his mother comes to him and he says, listen, it's not my time yet. And she turns to the servant and says, whatever he tells you to do, I want you to do it because he's got some things going on nobody knows about. He turns water into wine. The people taste it and said, why have we saved the best for last? If he cares about her wedding and he cares about that axe head, he cares about you finding your donkey. Can somebody say amen today? So I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you're pursuing. I don't know what you're hung up on. I don't know the tension between what you want to do, and what God wants you to do, and that's a very tough place to be. I've been there myself. I fought God on going into the ministry. Lord, the ministry is not where I want to be. It's not where I need to be. I gave all the excuses. My dad's not a preacher. My grandpa's not a preacher. How in the world am I going to pastor a church, lead a church, do anything with church? I love church. I'll go and set up and tear down and do all the things and clean and and, and, and whatever, whatever department you want me to be involved in. But Lord, don't ask me to be the tip of the spear on this thing. And I wrestled with it and wrestled with it and wrestled with it. It was was searching for a donkey for me. And God cares about it. He cares about every donkey in your life that cannot be found. And that's a sentence that no other pastor in town is saying this morning except for me. (laughs) Verse 6. There is in this city a man of God. This was a ray of hope for them. It says, perhaps he can show us the way to go. They were looking for directions, but they were about to get more. Okay, now let me wrap this up. Point four, don't be surprised what you hear from God when you ask him. In verse six, the prophet looks at him and he says, Listen, as for the donkeys, they they've been found. Don't worry about it. This was never about donkeys. This was about you. This was about your attitude. This, this was a test. This was about you obeying, because if you had never looked for those stray donkeys, you'd never have come to me and, and asked for a prophet for prophecy. So may, may, maybe the Lord lost the donkeys? I don't know. But he says, "Listen, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. This translates to the word kavad. Kavad means a glory and it also means weighted, like weighted glory, like you will feel the weight of God on your life. That's what kavod is. He says, Saul, listen, something's going to be different for you and you're going to feel the weight of God on your life. I don't know about y'all, but I want some of that. I get up in the morning and feel the weight of God on my life and on my marriage and on my ability to parent my kid and on how we lead this church. I want the Kavad, the glory of God. He said, That's going to be you. And then he tells him, You're going to prophesy. You're going to have a gift of the Spirit on your life. And then he says, And you're going to be changed into another man. Now, watch this, and I'm I'm wrapping up. Give me 60 seconds. Verse 9. So it was when he turned his back from Samuel. Watch this. God gave him another heart in a moment. Transformed him, changed him as he turned his back. Listen, this is good, good news for all of you to be reminded about this because some of you have been praying over your kids, some of you have been praying over your spouses, some of you have been praying over good friends. And I want to remind you that God is still in the transforming business. God can still change a heart in a moment, in a second. He can still invade a life. He can still take something that's been calloused and hardened by life's experiences and soften it again. And he took this kid who was just loaded with potential, and when he turned his back, you know what I think? I think he was a king. I think because he was willing to look for donkeys and not complain, and not turn in his resume, and not tell Kish that he was above it. I believe that the second he turned his back to that prophet, that something came on him, the kavod, the weight of God, and his heart was different, and he can still do it for you today. So you might be here this morning and stuck, and something happened for you. I know we use this word a lot, but it's it's true. Life can be traumatizing. And something happened for you. And it's, it just ceased you. And so now you think, man, will I ever be the person I used to be? You can be. Because God can change it. Kevin, I've been praying for a spouse, a godly spouse. Are they ever going to come? They are. And as your church, we're going to believe God with you and for you. For those of you who are single and ready to be married, we're going to pray for godly people to come into your life. Kevin, we, we can't have, have kids. so We're going to believe God for you to be able to have a kid. If that's your heart, we're going to believe God for it. Kevin, I'm so hurt. We're going to believe God to heal you in a moment to change your life. So we got to stop thinking about processes. And start thinking in terms of promises. What has God said to you? What has He spoken over you? What do you feel in your gut? Because where you're at is not the end of your story. It's just a chapter in it. Keep looking for donkeys. Keep staying low. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep serving Him. Keep waiting on Him. Keep humbling yourself in prayer. And I believe that you're going to feel the weight of God on your life, okay? I want you to bow your heads. Everybody in the building for just just a moment.